Hi, my name is Bridget. Hi, my name's Johnny. And, and we've, we've never seen Tron. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine Owl Watch It. As always, my name is Adam. As you heard up top, Bridget and Johnny are both on the hot seat this week, as neither of them have seen the movie Tron, so I'm going to show it to them, because this is the show where we show somebody, anybody, sometimes multiple people, a film they've never seen before, but absolutely should have. Bridget, Johnny, welcome. Thank Hello. You. Now, this is, uh, this is a movie that I picked for both of you that I will hope you enjoy, but it is a, uh, a sci-fi film that I quite enjoy, and it's my birthday week, so I felt like picking a thing. Yay! Yay! So before we get into the movie Tron itself, uh, I want to talk a little bit about movies in kind of a similar genre. I know we talked a little bit about 80s sci-fi a couple weeks ago with our uh, War Games episode. Uh, as part of the John Badham trilogy of films that we did <laughs> God, right. uh, in recent months. But it's been a little bit since we've talked about kind of video games and video game movies. And while this isn't necessarily based on a game, it has spawned games. It is kind of video game adjacent. Uh, so I just want to kind of get a base level for you guys. How do you guys feel about uh, video games? This is our first video game Second movie, technically third. Oh, oh technically Mortal Kombat. Third. We did yeah. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat ninety five, and then new. We're all watching at home because theaters are closed. Mortal Kombat. Got it. Um, my opinion of video game adaptations in general, film adaptations, uh, is low. Like mm-hmm. I don't care. They just they're very sloppy. I feel like there's just money behind it that they just want to earn, and there's not really any effort to. Do it faithfully, but I also think that video games is a medium that is not really a great uh, thing to adapt. Like, I think there are now video games coming out that are very cinematic in nature. You got, like, the Uncharted and other things that try to replicate the Indiana Joneses and other things where I think that narrative lends itself well, maybe, to a two-hour movie. But I think video games in general either you have a very simplistic game like pac-man which i don't know how you make a movie about that or you have these now 30 hour odysseys these rpgs and others like how do we cram this 30 hour story Mm -hmm. into a digestible 90 minute two hour movie but now i'm starting to see some things being adapted to like tv series and things like that i Mm -hmm. think you have like the last of us coming out and some other ones were It'd be interesting to see if maybe that medium is better for video games, but I think everything that I've seen, I've seen like Doom, I've seen the newer Mortal Kombat, we've seen the Mortal Kombat's, mm-hmm. I've seen Street Fighter, God, what other video game? Double Dragon, uh, Super no. Mario Brothers. Okay, I've seen Super Mario Brothers. Uh, the, the Tomb Raiders, three, Tomb Raiders, three I've Tomb seen, Raiders. Yep. Haven't seen the newer Uncharted, okay. I heard it was fairly lukewarm at best or yeah, crap fine. or whatever it's fine oh you saw it okay. yeah it's fine now i do like movies that are adapted to video games mm-hmm. like star wars i remember hook had a bitch and ass side scroller when i was younger um pretty much a- any kids game in the late 80s early 90s had a video game tie-in Correct. So I enjoy tie-in video games more than I enjoy movies adapting the material. 
Okay. What's your what would, what would you say is one of your favorite games of all time? Favorite video games of all time? Yeah. I mean, it, it's whatever. Probably one of the Super Mario's, Mario 3, World, one of those. Um, I enjoy the Zeldas, uh, like Ocarina of Time and some of those. More recently, I've enjoyed some of Rockstar's efforts, mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. And then uh, I've enjoyed uh, like the Uncharted's, Last of Us. Because I enjoy narrative-driven video games. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I was just like, this is so bitchin' and cool, and the action or whatever, it was just mindless. Where now, I enjoy storytelling way more. That that aspect of it, I think, is way more attractive to me in video game form than, say, like a shoot 'em up mm-hmm. like a Modern Warfare or what have you. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, we'll get into my expectations, I suppose, about this going, mm-hmm. but I'll just toss it to Bridget. What are your video game um, film <laughs> background? I... I'm probably not as big a video game person as either of you. And I think the sort of style of video game that I go for is probably very different. Like, love the Super Mario Brothers, Super Smash Brothers I loved. Um, Nowadays, like, if I'm playing, like, a video game, it's going to be, like, Civ Five for eight hours. Or, like, I'll dip into The Sims and, like, make someone cheat on their spouse. Like, all the sort of, like, this kind of, like, thing I would be drawn... Yeah, the kind of thing I would be drawn to in a movie. Less shoot em up and more, you know, interpersonal drama. Mm -hmm. Or greater historical what have you. Right. Um, Your Sims game is a 96 thriller, isn't it? Yes, it is. Pretty much, yeah. Michael Douglas, the Sim. (laughs) Yeah, erase the door to the bathroom or something. The ladder to the pool. In terms of movie adaptations i think i've seen mortal Kombat at this point <laughs> think uh, which you loved which i did i <laughs> love the 90s version lukewarm on the new version but 90s version kicks ass i think to johnny's point of you know movies being adapted into video games one that comes to mind is the game that came out when spider-man 2 came out mm-hmm. like this sort of big open world you yeah. can like mm. zip around sure. new york Web city yeah oh go. my god it was so much fun and Help a kid get his balloon back. <laughs> that is what, what you do in those games. Yes, dude. I can picture the balloon right now. And my brother would always be like, dude, don't fucking bother. I'm like, no, he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> he needs I, it. How are you going to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and not get the balloon? Dude, we got to get it. So, but it's, I, I don't know. I'm a dabbler more than anything. I do like these newer story, narrative driven games. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at them, though. So it's hard for me to engage with them. Like, I want to keep moving forward. I want to keep experiencing the story. You want to watch someone story. else play it. Exactly. I love to watch Brian play, but, like, I can't achieve what I need to to keep the story moving forward. So for me, it's a very frustrating experience. I will say, if you're at all interested in dabbling in any of those more cinematic experiences, a lot of them now come with a difficulty mode that is basically, like, it's called, like, cinematic which is basically like, it's stupid easy. Oh. Because you just want to experience the story and watch the cutscenes and play through with very minimal effort. Okay. So that would be something, at least exploring in a game like an Uncharted or a, the new Spider-Man. I think maybe even God of War might have it where it's just, oh. mm. the description literally says like, I just want to experience the story. Throw some gameplay in there. That's fine. That's that's what yeah, you walk for is. Like, you walk for like 30 feet and then you watch something for like an hour. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just want to go on a stroll in the woods and then see some things. Yeah. They also do make walking simulators that have, like, an ongoing story, but you're basically just pushing the controller and 
you know, looking through a desk drawer to find some stuff. Okay. But it is more narrative driven uh, in that regard. So there, there, there is more stuff now that I think would appeal to that sensibility for you. Okay. Yeah, I sort of think of Brian, our forces combined, like he can do all the sort of tactile mm-hmm. skill-based things. And well, he's been doing I help- it for 30 years, so. <laughs> right. And I can help him solve puzzles. Yeah. So to get our powers combined, we make one good one good game video person. game player. Yeah. yeah, that's me in video games, Adam. I know you're our resident expert. Yeah, I mean, obviously, anybody who's been listening to Broken Clock podcasts beyond this show knows that we did a, a games cast for three years, over three years. So very much love video games. Been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid. Uh, I got stuck with a Nintendo, you know, from the very early ages until I got a Nintendo 64. So, like, missed entire generations of, of games that I've, you know, since gone back to and big fan of the Game Boy growing up. And then N64, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Wii, GameCube, like, the whole thing. Just going through and playing stuff. Playing alone, playing with people online. Doesn't doesn't matter as long as it's fun. I don't I don't care. You know, I'll play a dumb, stupid, like party game i'll play a serious you know intense story driven game i'll play a shooter i'll play sports stuff like it doesn't matter to me as long as i can kind of zone out and have fun like that's all i'm i'm in for uh to your point johnny adaptations of video games into movies has not been very good as far as a track record i think they just kind of like you said it's just they slap the ip on an existing script and go that's mario right like no not really or like, that's Doom. All you need is a first-person shot, and you got Doom, right? Like, right. no. No, it's more than just Mars and first-person angles. Like, you need to kind of put <laughs> some some work into it. You need to kind of, like, know what you're doing. Uh, but I do think we're getting more to the period of time where the people who are decision-makers and movie-makers who are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s have grown up with video games. They know the source material. It's something near and dear to them. So I think we're starting to see a better output in terms of adaptations most of that has to do with streaming because you can throw money at a thing go here's 10 episodes go make a show about league of legends right and everyone will lose their mind because it's really good or yeah we'll do four episodes of an anime castlevania show like go for it and it just it turns out good because it's people who want to make it as opposed to a boardroom going like my kid plays this mario thing could we do something with that which is how i feel like that movie in the 90s was made is some exec yeah, it's made by people who don't play video games. Yeah, who just see that their kid says Mario, 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 I want everything Mario, and then go, okay, well, how can we make money off Mario? Let's just throw a name on a thing, and fine, let's go. So I think we're getting to that point where we're starting to see much better output in terms of movies. Uncharted, like I said, was fine. It's kind of like the game. It's a very regular version of Indiana Jones. Like, it's nothing spectacular about it, and... Honestly, Uncharted is one of the hardest movies you can do because how do you make a movie that is Indiana Jones without being an Indiana Jones ripoff? But the newer Tomb Raider was good. The newer Mortal Kombat was whatever. I honestly don't really remember anything about it other than the fact that they did not do a Mortal Kombat tournament. It's just like a bunch of people were there and they fought, but it wasn't like the crux of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I will say there was some effort put into that, and we've we talked about this on that episode, but like, there was efforts to put in like the fatalities and some of the mm-hmm. things. There's a lot of Easter eggs in that particular thing where there was some passion behind it, like some history, some sort of R&D done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, but I wouldn't even say, like, passion. It's like, to me, it's like, this is how we make the rat 
push the button to get the treat. I mean, you know true. What I mean? Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, you're right. Passion's the wrong word, but I mean, there was an effort to like. Okay, there let's was put some the, knowledge. Some, people yeah. gonna like yeah. this. People gonna like that. People gonna like this. Opposed to, like you said, maybe any sort of feeling behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the some idea attention of to it detail. Correct. Yeah, but not like um, putting what's his name in a bald cap with kind of spikes oh, to right. make him Bowser. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Thank you. But I think the best example in very recent is the Sonic movies have both been really fun. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not a big Sonic guy. Like, I was always a Nintendo kid, so it was Mario for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't even have understanding of, like, the deep lore and the references that are in those movies. But they kind of just nail the character from what I remember of, like, watching the cartoons and playing the games at friends' houses. And the diehards also love it because it plays into the lore and has the Easter eggs and the references. And it's just, like, seems like everybody just wanted to have a good time and made a decent movie. Now, two of them, in fact. With Sonic, though, has it been more, like, meta in nature that people have enjoyed it? That it's not really, like, an adaptation of the stuff that you would see in the Sonic game, but more like humans, the human world and the Sonic world coming together in some weird situation, and that it's more meta than anything else, and there's all these, like, natural jokes in place for, why is that guy's hair blue, and why does he keep looking for, why is he stealing all my wife's wedding rings? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's some of that. Because uh, it is, it is. <laughs> like, I, like I, I just, you know what I mean? Like, just all like. All of the wives' wedding all rings. All the wedding rings. She keeps all the wedding <laughs> rings. This is her eighth time getting married. Multiple. Multiple. That's just each husband throwing out the ring. They're like, stop yeah. carrying around six ex husbands worth of wedding rings. Just stop. <laughs> They're not even that different from one another. They're all big gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, that's some of that because it is a, like a fish out of water. They're from a different dimension Correct. and all that. Um, so the first one, especially, is a lot of like. I got to learn your world. You got to learn mine. Like, I got to learn what humans are like. I, uh, James Marsden has to worry what a Sonic is. Like, you know, yeah. so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. But there, you know, he's just a wisecracking, fast-talking, fast-running kid, essentially. So he's cracking kid jokes and having just kind of a fun time. So yeah. it, it makes for a fun movie and a fun viewing experience that works for someone like me who doesn't know the lore. But that also works for the people who know the lore because there's all those other things that I just didn't get references for. So. I think it's a good path because, like, that's where I think you can honor the video game itself and also not have the trappings of, like, a, like a the film being a movie itself. You yeah. know what I mean? Going that path, you get kind of, like, a pass for, like, doing whatever you want because you're not trying to full-on adapt the video game. You're just sort of, like, having fun with the idea of having a video game property inside a regular movie, per se. Yeah. And to your point, it is hard to take because most decent video games have a story that's at least eight ten hours like for the good cinematic ones that's kind of like the the low end of the range you want for a good game is to have at least an eight to ten hour story it's so hard to condense that down to two hours Mm -hmm. so how do you do that let alone the rpgs and the red deads and grand theft autos and skyrims of the world that are 50 80 100 do whatever you want 300 hours in you know and you're still not finished types of things like you can't really adapt that into a movie but that's where TV and streaming has really come on to right. make that a possibility. Like the the Witcher show on Netflix, people really enjoy, and I know that's based on the books, not the games, but it is also a series of games, and people mm. who enjoy the games enjoy that as right. well. Um, so I think we're we're coming into an age where it's it's getting better, and I think it's only going to continue to get better. So I think people are less likely to go, ah, eh, it's a video game movie, I don't care. You know, I think people are actually being like, you know what, actually, this kind of looks fun. I'm I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go see it. But uh, this movie, 1982's Tron, 
is a movie that predates all pretty much all video game adaptations because video games back then were Pong and yeah. Centipede and Asteroid and all these different, you know, older arcade games on dot matrix screens and whatnot. Um, but this isn't based on a video game, though it has spawned video games and is kind of video game adjacent. But beyond that, what do you guys know about the, the movie Tron? I believe that I know one of the stars. I think it is well known for some of the animation slash rotoscoping elements that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm honestly most familiar with the soundtrack to the sequel, which mm-hmm. was done by Daft Punk. And it's an is, absolute banger. It is a real fucking banger. Yeah. I thought it was Dead Mouse, but I guess. Yeah. No, no it's, it's Daft Punk. It's Daft okay. Punk. I, I can understand the confusion. Similar artists who wear big helmets. And like neon aesthetic and the whole right. thing. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I totally get the confusion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, like I have a vague sense of the plot, but I don't know much. 1982 does make it an interesting time for it to be. It's a Disney movie, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. That's an interesting time period for that company, but yes, it we is. can talk about that yeah. after the show. How about you? Uh, I know that there's a video game element. Uh, I, again, I hate having too many presumptions about movies like this, but I believe that there's like some sort of fantasy element where we're in the real world and real world person gets sucked into video game arcade some sort of arcade system affects this person like like big i don't know like when tom hanks talks to dr xylitol or whatever the fuck, <laughs> dr. Xylitol. Whatever the, fuck. the great zohar is it yeah correct yeah. <laughs> dr. Xylitol. dr xylitol is my pcp <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's your new handle on your PS5 fucking network. Um, Pardon me, big fans. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Big fans of big. Big fans of big. Big, Yeah. yeah. Um, So I believe there's some sort of like real world meets fantasy world. I am aware of said top bill actor in this. But yeah, and also aware of some sort of rotoscope, interesting animation, quasi thing going on. And that it's going to have some sort of, like, steampunk element to it. Or maybe just the newer one had that element to it. I don't know. Yeah. I imagine things are pretty bright in the beginning, and then we get into Toronto, and I just see black on, like, neon. That's all I see. I like. I feel like I'm, most of the movie's going to feel like I'm walking into Spencer's. <laughs> okay. Without the dildos and things like that. Because it's not... It's a Disney yeah. property. You're... Well, we like, don't know. It's an interesting 1982 Disney property that might be a dick or two. Yeah, you're looking at, like, the carpet on a coach bus in, like, 1998. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. The floor of a movie theater. The floor of a movie oh, theater. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of those. That's yeah. the aesthetic we're, we're yeah. going for. <laughs> Blacklight bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Complete with arcade games and everything. Right. So, it really... That's the most apt, I think. <laughs> but... Yes, I am aware of the sequel that I think rejuvenated the awareness of the older one, and then a lot of people became big fans of said soundtrack. And I don't know if they're making a sequel, another sequel, sequel, whatever. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. I'm yeah. getting ahead of myself again. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I know about it. But you have seen this. I have seen it, yes. I don't remember the first time I would have seen it, um, it would have been before the sequel came out. Not like one of those, like, oh, I better watch this before I watch the sequel. It was like a thing I had come across mm-hmm. in my childhood somehow. 
whether it was on the Disney Channel or on a movie channel or what have you, I, I came across this movie at some point. Didn't really do anything for me originally, other because I think I was too young to appreciate what went into making a movie like this in 1982, which we'll get into kind of in the after part. But it's it's a technical achievement for the time. It's a good story. I really liked the sequel a lot, so that made me revisit this movie more often. I probably saw it when Disney Plus came out most recently, so like a couple of years ago. But it's just, it's a good movie. It sets up a, a cool world and a cool like universe that has continued on, though not on the same level as other sci-fi franchises like a Star Wars or an Alien or anything like that. But it has continued to exist and there has been fans this whole time. And like I said, it spawned video games and it spawned comic books and all these other different things. Uh, anytime I go to one of those like retro barcades, they have Tron, I'm going to play it. I'm going to sing several tokens or quarters or whatever denomination you want into playing this game because it's very, uh, very basic. And we'll, I'll touch more on the game afterwards because I don't want to spoil what's in the game because it is taken from the movie. So even the video game adaptation, to your point, Johnny, of this movie is super fun. Gotcha. So just to clear the air, so like the movie existed before there was any sort of any other... Correct. The movie is a wholly media. original idea. Got it. Okay. Based on some ideas for commercials that the studio people like put together, like a Nike ad or something, and they're like, what? "It was just kind of like a hey, what if we did this?" And they kind of just like made up the Tron guy and sold it as like an idea. Like, well, we'll get into it a little bit more, but it sure. was again a wholly original IP that they just kind of pieced together and figured out how to make it, and then made the thing. And okay, and now we get to talk about it forty years later. Love it. So any other last minute thoughts, anything else that you guys want to get out there before we uh, actually sit down to watch 1982's Tron? No. I'm ready to enter the Tron tricks. The Tron tricks. Okay. I like the, the Tron. <laughs> I'm ready to enter the Tron guy. I'm entered. <laughs> cool. That's a different movie for 1982's Disney. Um, but all right, then. Uh, what do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll watch, watch it. it. We are back. We have just finished watching 1982's Tron. And Johnny and Bridget, you were both in the hot seat this week. So, Bridget, I'll start with you. How are you feeling after watching this movie? Pretty good. Pretty good. I liked it more than I thought I would. Okay. I was into it for longer stretches than I thought I would be. I found myself just 
impressed by it, given the time frame that it came out, everything it was attempting, the way it looked, the way it sounded. There are things about it that are not strong, but I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Okay. Johnny, how about you? This movie was baffling to me for long stretches. Mm -hmm. Okay. This movie was probably aesthetically one of the most displeasing movies I've seen in a long time. Really? Displeasing. Displeasing, okay. correct. Okay. I could not... I wanted to like it, and I think the aesthetics was so distracting for me that I just could not absorb what people were saying. Mm-hmm. And I think since for a long time the movie is like dead ass about everything that's going on, it wasn't until like the third act that we saw some like wonky dark crystal dune-esque characters that I was like starting to giggle and laugh and enjoy it but yeah I just I I didn't like it okay Okay. yeah (laughs) okay that's fair I just (laughs) I didn't like it I just yeah I I mean it throws a lot at you and it is very much a wavelength kind of movie right you don't get on board right away yeah and if you don't yeah and if you don't like the way this movie looks it doesn't give you a lot to work with, I think would be Oh yeah, no, it's fair to say. Because I think and this might be a criticism you have, I don't know, but it seems like the fact that they don't ever go back to the real world until the end means that you have to deal with the computer world for seventy five minutes of a ninety minute runtime. And so if you don't like the way that looks, there's nothing here for you, essentially. Yeah, because like I think it's one of those things where it's like, okay, let's, it, we now have achieved this technology, let's make something immediately with it. Mm-hmm. Where I, it's like, like there's a great line, I think, I was thinking about this too, like in Jurassic Park where Ian Malcolm's talking about like, they didn't even care to think about if they could, they think about if they should. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, they, I think they, the idea of it, it, it's so cool and awesome, but I think it's so wonky. And hard to digest, and it just it. When I was watching, I feel like I'm watching like a waking nightmare, <laughs> and I don't know what is going on. I absorb. I okay. I did absorb some of it eventually. What was going on? But I I, I felt queasy during long stretches of it. I mm-hmm. couldn't spatially. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like even when those little motorbikes are going through like the maze, I was like, I w- I wanted off the ride. <laughs> And there was a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Had you seen light cycles before? Like, were you aware of... I was aware, yeah, of, okay. of the fact that these bikes existed. Okay. I just thought they had a little more fluidity to them <laughs> than here, where it's just so rigid mm-hmm. and everything. And I, I, especially what I didn't like is the... It's like the faces are monochromatic and, like, their, their suits are all colored. Mm-hmm. It just looks... Uh, it's just so rough. It's so rough around the edges. It looks like super raw material shot, and like they didn't do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. They just it's it's not smoothed out. I think I don't know. I mean, there's definitely some janky parts in there. Like there's things where you can see like matte paintings don't quite line up, and things are kind of moving around in in frame because they're they're piecing a lot of things together in yeah. order to make this exist. Right. So, like, if even that's off a little bit, 
it throws your brain because you're like, something's wrong and I'm not quite sure what, but I know I don't like it. Yeah. Because wasn't it an Adam, as sort of the animator expert, he might be able to know better than me, but they were basically layering like three shots on top of one another simultaneously. Like they would have the film of Jeff Bridges, then they would layer over whatever the paint glow they were going to do onto him. Then they would layer in a background, like often a computer like generated background or like whatever the animation was going to be. So you essentially, is it like cells, like three cells laid over one another and then would photograph it and then have to do that every single frame. Yeah. And they'd light it from the back. So that's what... The majority of this movie is actually not computer-generated. Yeah. There's only about, like, 20 to 30 minutes of computer-generated footage. And back in 1981, too, you know, when they're creating this movie, there was no way to combine live-action and computer graphics, like, into the same thing. So what Bridget described is basically what happened, where they've got layers upon layers of these cells... That they're backlighting, so like the glow effect is literally just illuminating the blue coloring from beneath. Because the way they filmed this movie was almost completely in black and white. Yeah. All the suits are in black and white. The you know, the actors are in black and white, and they're acting on a completely black sound stage to minimize what you have to do in order to like get things. Because originally they wanted to film it with an all-white background. And then when they did the test shots, they're like, guys, this is going to take forever to do and cost a gajillion dollars. What if we did it black? And they're like, oh, if we do it black, then we have to do less. And no, I think this will work. I think we can do this. So, yeah, it was like a. there's a lot of things that kind of have to come together. And you have to make sure that like every single thing is layered on top of one another with matte paintings and the film stock and the you know, the computer generated parts of it and the animated parts of it. But a lot of it is actual like hand-drawn animation. I know you remarked at one point in the movie of like, it's fine. I'm finally seeing some of this. You were the whole time. They just did a really good job of mixing in all of the different elements. Mm. But yeah, it is quite a leap to, to ask people to kind of look at this movie and be like, yeah, that's, that's not only technologically impressive, but also pleasing to the eye. (laughs) I find it pleasing to the eye, but I like a lot of ugly things, <laughs> so I might not be. But like, I like that rough around the edges. I like, I like when you can look at something and see that it's ambitious, and maybe it doesn't look as slick as if they had taken three layers out or tried fewer things. Mm. But I like that you can see the ambition in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive on the front of, like, look what we were able to do 40 years ago with the things that we had at our disposal. I forget the the amount, but it's, I think one of the things that I read was that the computer they were doing the computer graphics on only had two meg- megabytes of memory. That's uh, like four emails today. <laughs> and, and, and 330 megabytes of storage. So, like, you got to think about what your phone has thousands upon thousands of megabytes to make up like the hundred plus gigs or whatever that you've got this had 300 and they were able to make the assets from this movie on it in any amount of time yeah so like the ambition is there and it's impressive as a result the story is 
you know, it's what you said before. It's that fantasy of you go into a different realm. It's Alice in Wonderland. It's Labyrinth. It's any of these other things of, oh my God, I got sucked through a wormhole or a portal or a mm. laser or whatever. And I'm, I'm here and now I got to do a mission. So like even the story is basic, but it's all about the technology of it, which to your point is a, hey, we can do it. Let's do it. Maybe not. Maybe wait five years and see what Tron could have been like. Uh, and I think the ultimate fulfillment of that promise is the sequel, because it's a Tron movie made with computer graphics at a time where computer graphics can do anything, with the rare exception of doing a young Jeff Bridges, which it doesn't do a good job of. <laughs> yeah, that's because it shouldn't. Yeah. Talk about what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Right. And that was like a very early example in the sequel, not to get too far ahead, but that does exist. And it's one of the first digital de-agings and it's, it's rough. It yeah. makes more sense in the computer world because you're like, oh, he's a computer. Of course, he looks wonky and weird and <laughs> awkward. But right in the real world, it doesn't work so well. Yeah, that sucks though that you. That you yeah, I like can't. I I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just beauties in the by the in the eye of the beholder. I suppose. Yeah, no. I don't know. It's it's completely subjective. I suppose if you get on, you're like, this is cool. This is interesting. Like for me, it was like revolting from the beginning. <laughs> There are like, parts I, I, of it that are better looking than others. I really enjoyed when he got sucked into the game. I enjoyed the journey into the world. I thought it was very interesting. It's like, okay, this is where it's going. And then, yeah, I just... Mike punchingly angry. Mike punchingly <laughs> angry. No. Yeah. Um, Can you, is it just one thing? Or is it just the whole mix of everything you think that really threw you? Like, was it the black and white faces? Was it the weird glow that they have? Was it the the bright colors on the I, suits? I, I was think it, it was like it was, it was it was like everything for the most part. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, stepping back, I understand what they were trying to achieve as far as the look. If you looked at the stand-up arcades at the time, it's all like black lit with, you know, neon colors, white colors, star mm-hmm. contrasted colors that are moving rigidly. So I understand they're trying to copy what that aesthetic was for video games at the time. Yeah, because you're inside a computer, and if the outside looks like this, the inside must look like that. Correct. But yeah, so like I just, so I'm like, all right, if I'm not enjoying the visuals, I'm trying to enjoy the story being told, but I just, I kept continually being distracted by something new mm-hmm. the movie wanted to introduce. But again, I think I was if if the movie had been as silly as some of the things that were introduced in the third act, I think I would have enjoyed it a little more. Like that, like male snail looking oh, dude. When we got to Tron Isley. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tron Isley, correct? Oh, okay. what is she? Oh no! I yeah, 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 I got it. Nice. I got it. Um, and like the French fry looking dude that we saw yeah. from McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked some more of that. I, I would have loved a lot like, more of that. Ooh! Yeah, we both think it's like... All right, we're getting somewhere. All right, we're doing things. And that was right <laughs> after we saw what looked like like a furry piece of shit. I don't know, what was that? <laughs> and, and no explanation. No. We never revisited it, and it seemed like almost immediately the editor's like, we gotta get rid of this image <laughs> and replace it with the French fry dude. <laughs> Do we have any B-roll of the French fry dude walking around? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they must have just, like, everybody put a bunch of garbage on, just show up to set one day. Yeah. We're going to film you in black and white, and at the premiere you can see if you made the cut. Correct. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Like, but... Yeah, I do I, I do get your point, though, of, like, the, the beginning part is so nerdy, computery, 
that you don't get any of the fun computer stuff that we, like, there of course would be a program with a bunch of zany looking characters and things like, there'd be a game program that's based on some weird wonky alien world and you'd have things that look like a french fry and a weird furry ball or whatever. So like, there should have been more, like there should have been in the game section when he's like meeting new programs for the first time, there should have been some wonkier programs in there yeah. rather than like tax accounting software and actuarial software and like uh, phone bill management software, like whatever other things that got referenced in the beginning. Cause those are just plain, you know, white collar jobs with plain looking white collar avatars. Mm. So if there had been a little bit more of a, like a weird, hey, you can do anything in a computer kind of vibe. Yeah. There was a woman we saw that I was like, that's like the back pages of Craigslist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, her. we saw, yeah, that was yeah. somebody on a Toro Recall or something. Yeah. yeah. Hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, so in that, in that respect, some of that world-building flavor mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed more. All I could think about was how much Empire must have really influenced like the look of spaces like especially even in the real world but just that like very mission focused like you don't see a lot of what's happening outside of Mm -hmm. the mission that the characters are on yeah and pretty much all sci-fi at this point is chasing that star wars money that empire money like those vibes and aesthetics Mm -hmm. so to your point i do think it probably had a lot to do with it but some of it also might have been the limitations of, like, how much of a world can we build when True. we have this very complicated filming process. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit of both. Because yeah. you're right, this is very Empire in that it is mission-focused. There, There isn't any, like... And I feel like we've seen this probably It's more Empire in, without Dagobah, too. Yeah. Because they don't go anywhere. <laughs> they don't go anywhere. Yeah. But, like, you'll see now in things like a Wreck-It Ralph, which you guys haven't seen, but in other movies that are more recent that take place, quote-unquote, like, in the internet. You know, there's a chat room cafe, and there's, like, other spaces around the the computer that you can go to that gives you a a fun mishmash of, like, weirdos and funny things and, like, a different world to it. Right. Whereas this very much is just, like, here you are on this motherboard. Yeah. With... With your QuickBooks. (laughs) Yeah. With your QuickBooks. (laughs) With your QuickBooks and your Microsoft Excel and... Yep. That's fun, right? Because that's what computers were in 1982, that's where I feel true. like... Yeah. There's uh, more diversity in what you can do. With a computer now. Yeah. yeah. So I, that also, I think, puts a damper on it, is that like we know what computers are capable of and what interconnected series of programs could look like, whereas they they made a lot of bold claims about computers and what they could do and got a lot of things right about how things can change with computers, but they didn't... They didn't have that amazing amount of foresight to be like, there'll be chat rooms and video things and like, here's a podcast room and a YouTube section. Mm. Like, they didn't have that idea seemingly back then. Yeah. So it does make the world a little bit more dull as a result. So I, I do get that. Like, again, if you're not there for the aesthetic, there's not much else there to like rope you in. They probably should have put some of those creatures at the beginning and then got a little bit more serious in tone towards the end to ramp up the tension yeah. as opposed to the other way around i mean i think i i've handled things like tron and doses and other 80s sci-fi movies where they use that same sort of technology and that are showing like a radar system or a tracking system in a spaceship or something like that and they're kind of just cutting to something like that but i think for what i think 
was probably like 70 minutes of the running time of this movie where we spend in this area. It's just a lot. Because mm-hmm. there's also a lot of negative space yes. that you're looking at, which is also your brain is just constantly just looking at one stark or one contrasted color. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. Yeah. And there's not even variation in the programs. Like everyone's just blue with more or less the same outfit. You know, right. You're blue not, or you're orange. Yeah. There's not a red guy and a green guy and an orange guy and a like I mean that's why like it was so like refreshing to see different looking characters. Yeah. The French Spaghetti fry. Man. Yeah. yeah, and the snail man. The snail male. Who spun with just oh, absolute sh- grace. That was another take your breath away moment. Oh yeah. His reveal. Yeah, like that that fifteen minute stretch of weirdness. Great, loved it. If there was a whole movie, we'd be I'd be having a completely different tone about what I just experienced. saw experienced. Yeah, but like I said, the fact that the mood is so serious for the most part. I mean, Jeff Bridges injects what he thinks is funny for stretches. Yeah, it's eighties funny. Mm. Yeah, and interestingly enough, it seems like there are stretches of this movie that have no music at all, and I'm like, what a wasted opportunity throw some more synth or throw some more something that just fits what's going on here and obviously I think you're gonna love I think you're gonna and probably I'll be in love with the sequel you're gonna really like the sequel we don't have to do it for the show but I think a lot of the criticisms that you have are fixed oh yeah I'm sure with the 30 40 whatever 40 years from whatever it was a 2010 it came out or something like that that they are addressed everything that I'm talking about. More or less. Like, I think it, it fixes a lot of those things because the technology has caught up to the ideas. Right. And because they have this world that they built in this movie, for better or for worse, they have that in the sequel, but they have the the knowledge of the next 30 years that these guys didn't have mm. to build upon that. It doesn't get into the weirdness. The There aren't really any of those weird-looking characters. Sure. But it at least is easier to look at, and there is music throughout, and the music is bumping. Yeah. <laughs> but even when the music does happen in this movie, like, I kind of, like, cheered up a little bit and, like, smiled, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is funny and cool. Like, they were just, it was cool. It sounded cool, and it almost made me laugh a little bit. But they could have just done that or copy and pasted it or whatever, and it just seemed like for a while you're just hearing what sounds like actors on a soundstage hitting each other or falling on metal grates, mm-hmm. and it just... It's distracting. Like, you just put something over it to get me out of the fact that they're on a soundstage in weird, soft clothing. Yeah. Or in, like, an ambient, like... Something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's not even, like, a hum, like, that from, like, they're on a space station or something like that. There's a little bit of that. There might be there. some here like and when there. when you see, like, the outside of a ship. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, there's a little bit of yeah. a hum and a big rattle of the sub. And... Right. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, like, when you're on the Star Destroyers or things like that in Star Wars, you have, like, the, the hums and the... Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. There's there's a sound design element that is also, like, a failed opportunity here as well, mm-hmm. I think. Even though they do some fun stuff with the bikes and whatever they're throwing around that disc, like, that makes some interesting noises. Mm-hmm. Noises that I expected to hear that sound, like, par for the course as far as yeah. what I expect for the movie. But there was a lot of other areas where it's like, well, just add something there or do something here technically. Because I'm just, again, I'm just only seeing things and I'm one not liking right now. Mm-hmm. So give me some sounds or something that are at least pleasing to my ear. Yeah. 
Bring you in somehow. Bring me in yeah. real me, me in somehow. Give me a single sense that yeah. I can I can cling to. <laughs> Correct. I don't want to touch the screen and I can't taste it. Yeah. I, I got the popcorn and that's doing it, yeah. but I need something more. A little something more. <laughs> I need one yeah. of the other senses right. to kick in. Yeah, I mean the the person who worked on the soundtrack was uh Wendy Carlos, who did work on films like Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Okay. So like good track record for making scores. And they did use a lot of synth stuff. The London Philharmonic is playing on it, but you're right, it's not it's not there. For it's not good there structures. enough, but I almost wouldn't care if it was incessant. Like I like I know sometimes scores are just constantly there and there's just no breathing room at all. Like I almost would rather have had that here. Just so it seems like there's some momentum too cuz I feel like there's stretches without the music. It's like what what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Why let's get to the next interesting yeah. area of the, where we are. Yeah. Cuz there are stretches that, you know, a lot of it is like these polygon canyons that you're flying through. Yeah. And there's often not much to differentiate between them outside of whatever ship you're traveling in, whatever your mode of transportation is. Yeah. And the mode of transportation of whoever is chasing you. Yeah. It just seems like an unfinished movie to me, technically. Like, I think a couple more screenings or test screenings or something would have been like, oh, let's add this, let's do this, let's do that. But, again, I don't know the history of the production or whatever, or or I'm just overthinking it, but I would just say from a a bird's-eye view of this, I would say that it felt like an assembly cut. It felt like it was sort of assembled, put together, added some music here and there, and they did all the visual parts of it, but they didn't really address the other areas of what make a movie technically. Yeah, and to that point, now I don't know if this is the reasoning behind it. It could be as simple as... There's no noise inside a computer. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know? why not? It could be that. I don't yeah. know. But the movie was scheduled for release around Christmas time of 1982. And when they heard about the release date for Secret of Nim, they pushed it up to summer to compete with Don Bluth, who Disney... Had beef. Yeah. So that could have been it because they pushed the release date up five, six months mm. where they didn't have time to do all of the test screenings that they maybe otherwise would have. a lot of time to flesh something out. Especially finishing and things, scores yeah. and adding additional songs if you wanted to. Right. Like there, So that could speak to it. I, I don't see anything that to back that up, but that is at least a viable possibility given that they did jam this forward when most things get delayed. Now, another thing too is when I'm watching this, there were parts where I'm like, wow, that actually looks pretty polished or looked like something has been retouched or something so i'm curious if this has been gone through any of that kind of like special edition star wars where i'm watching another pass-through edition and i'm not seeing like the theatrical no i think this is like a an updated anniversary 4k rest it is is, so like it has been retouched it has been yeah i mean because they made you know that it got released on every platform that's existed since 1982 right you know betamax laser disc CED video disc, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, all this other stuff. Um, Zip drive. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so it's been, it's gone through a lot of iterations over the years. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is like the most definitive, best cleaned up version. I don't think this is a really uh, theatrical VHS release without the pan and scanner yeah, or anything. No, no, no. I'm not talking about like pan and scanner or anything like that. I'm just talking like the, the same way George Lucas replaced explosions yeah, yeah. and refined, you know, color grading and things like that to make things pop more or went back with different animation. I'm sure there's some of that, but probably not a ton because you want to keep the, right. the look and feel of the original because you'd have to completely redo the whole movie 
Oh, no, it only seemed like parts of it, particularly when they were in, like, the spinning apparatus. It seemed like that was just a little too smooth, I think, Hmm. for what I think would have been released in, like, 82. I think it would have been a little more rougher looking, but Mm -hmm. that's just... That was a hot take on the spinning room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You mean Moses from South Park? (laughs) 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 Just what that's based on? (laughs) Really? Um, This movie definitely would have scared me as a kid. Mm-hmm. The opening sequence, I was like... The light the, cycle battle. The, the light beginning. cycle battle at the beginning where you're in in the computer for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is scary. And you have the third bad guy from Titanic. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah. Pour one out. Yeah, spinny face room. Mm-mm. Oh, the, the actual yeah. master control dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no I think you can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> He looked like what that guy, the actual French guy, the French ride dude from Aqua Teen is like based on. <laughs> he looks like that face like yeah. evolutionized to what that French ride dude is. Yeah. Like just stick some fries out of that spinning guy's head and it's yeah. like that's the dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. And the fact that little room that, that the guy was in from the beginning that when he spoke to the guy, mm-hmm. really intense and really close up. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's, like, manipulating him somehow, but you don't know, like, what he's doing to him because it's not explained. And it doesn't really need to be, but that's, because there's no explanation, that makes it scarier of, like, wait, he can just do that? He can just, like, kill a dude like that? Right. <laughs> or put him near death, at mm. least? Yeah. Plus, I think all the negative space also makes it more ominous and scary because you're just like, oh, it's just darkness. Yep. Forever. And one of those programs could just become that darkness and that's really creepy. Yeah. Right. Then you got the part where Scar gets his face busted open and he's like bleeding code out of his forehead towards the end when he gets hit with the... Yeah, it looks like someone spilled their Halloween candy. (laughs) Yeah. I did like that. It was also just like, I'm better than you. Like, And then like cracked his skull like an egg. (laughs) Cracked his identity disc, cracked his skull... Excuse me. Tron, don't fuck around, man. No. Independent programs got to do what they got to do. I know. I didn't realize Tron was going to be a person. Yes, Tron is a person. Tron is a person, not a place. Yes. Yes, technically the name of the Big place is the, the Grid. <laughs> the Grid. That is what it is mm. called. Is it the Grid? Oh, yeah, no, Tron's a, Tron's a person. He's a, well, not a person. He's a program. Mm-hmm. What did you guys not think a of? user. Yeah, exactly. What did you guys think of the whole program user, like, kind of religious fanaticism dynamic that they tried to to play with here. It's it's to be expected. It's just enough. They yeah. like sprinkle it in just enough, but they don't get too hung up on it. No, there's just a couple of things of like, oh, do you believe in the user? Oh, yeah. do you believe? Oh, if I didn't, then how did I exist? It's like, okay, good point. And then there's like the speech of like, you got to renounce this god the user, otherwise we're just going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, just just enough there for a little substance to a movie that is basically Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it's fine. It comes and goes. Like, you kind of forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it needs it. It's fine that it's there. Yeah, it's really only a handful of lines of dialogue or that one scene where that really are like, this is a religion here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe or not? I like that in real life, Alan is like a real dweeb. Mm-hmm. And Tron's then cool. Tron is like such a Chad. Yeah. 
<laughs> Such a shit. Well, I mean, think about it from this he perspective. Is. Like, you're creating a character in the game and you're making yourself. Are you making yourself a dweeb or are you making yourself the biggest, coolest action star of all time to take down whatever's going on? Like, that's, it's, that's it's wish fulfillment, you know? I yeah. guess. If yeah. you get your hands at the creation tools, you're not making yourself as you are in most instances. True. But it was, like, and maybe it was partly because of the black and white mm-hmm. of, you know, all of the the actors. But I was looking at the actor playing Tron. I was like, he has a face like Rudolph Valentino, wrapped in like a disco <laughs> robot suit. This yeah. is very weird, but interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. This is fun. It's because they take his glasses off. If Tron was wearing glasses, I know, he'd look like it, a dweeb. He would, yeah. <laughs> he'd be an actuarial loser. program. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that poor actuarial program. Can't even be cool. I w- Speaking of RAM, the actuarial program. In one of the documentaries I was watching before you guys came over, uh, he said that right as the movie came out, his grandmother started a letter writing campaign called like Re-Res Ram or something like that because her grandson died in the movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cute. That is really cute. He's like, yeah, she like went around and like tried to get people to write into the studio to like bring me back if they did a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a thing a grandma would do in, of course. in yeah. the early 80s, is write a letter to Disney. Being yeah. like, can you make my grandson re-rest, please? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> He's got a birthday coming up. I have a check for him. Yeah. <laughs> for $7.50. <laughs> right. If you don't do it, I'll have to round it up to 10 Yeah. Don't spend it all in one place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my issue, too, with that, as far as, like, the black and white faces, was that their hair is like tucked behind a helmet mm-hmm. and they're all did the same color the blue so it's like in a wide shot i don't know who i'm looking at yeah. they're just pawns on a chessboard there's well, nothing to distinguish them and the glow like blurs out their face almost in those wide shots where yeah it just so looks like that also unless it was like a super close of the face i'm like okay that's ram yeah <laughs> oh so that's oh ram oh th- that's ram yeah, towards the end it gets easier because you've got three distinct costumes. Well, they, they smartly enough wardrobe whoever decided to put whatever that was over Flynn's yeah, chest. Like yeah, the gladiator. Thing. So he thing. was easily distinguished between the programs, if you will. Yeah, and then I like Tron's got the big T symbol like on his chest. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's three dots across with one dot below, so it's like it's meant to to be a T, I guess. Oh, I was right. Um, checked out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you've got the You girl. just were like, I don't even want to look closer at this. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I just wanted enough. to hear the movie for like going forward. I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even want to figure yeah. out this. Uh, but then you have like the, the female program. So at, at least like in those wide shots, you're like, okay, I can tell which one is the girl. Yeah, I can which see Which one is figure, Tron yeah. and which one yeah. is Flynn because Flynn has a shirt and right. the girl has a girl figure. Right. Which, in, another thing I saw in one of the documentaries is they showed everybody the costumes for the first time. And the guy who plays Tron, Bruce Boxleitner, was like, where are the pants? And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? That's it. And he's like, no, no, but where are the pants? Because it's just like skin tight, like onesie pajama pants. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, that's it. And he's like, okay. And they showed him to the girl. And the girl was like, okay. And then disappeared for half a day. And so, like, they were trying to call her and figure out where she was. And finally, like, the assistant director got a hold of her and they're like where did you go she's like oh i'm at the gym and i'm not coming back until i lose five pounds if you're gonna make me get into that (laughs) because it's just my body then and i don't like that (laughs) yeah 
At the very least, it wasn't the studio that mandated it, which is good. Because it easily could have been back then. No. Just general societal. Yeah. Like, she had to be 80s thin. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just like a skin-tight onesie with some hockey pads and a highlight glove. <laughs> That's basically what we got here. I suppose that bothered me a little bit, too. That it just felt a little cheap, the costumes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what, like, the helmet is a hockey helmet from the time that they just put accessories on. Like, the glove for that highlight-type game is just a highlight glove that they stuck stuff onto. And so there's just, like, a lot of foam on it with, like, the lines drawn on, and then they would animate over that. But, yeah, it is just all, like, if you took a kid and was like, okay, go into your garage and make battle armor. Like, that's what they would come out wearing. So... To your point, yeah, that is basically what it is. And it's it like does... the cheapest like cosplay costume you can go into Comic Con with. It's like mm-hmm. entry level Comic Con. Like that's your option. Mm-hmm. I mean, the budget for this was only seventeen million, which is kind of a lot for the eighties. But what all that money went to was hiring the like six hundred people to do the animating and rotoscoping and filming and like all these other things that wouldn't necessarily be on a standard live-action movie set. I did read, I thought it was interesting, that because at first I went, knowing this was a Disney movie that came out in the early 80s, I was like, what's going on at Walt Disney Animation Studio at the time? Because that was such a messy period with Don Bluth leaving and taking a bunch of people with him and like... And they're still like six, seven years out from from the Renaissance. Mermaid and the Renaissance and all of that. Like, so, like, on a knife's edge. So I was like, oh, I wonder, like, where this sort of falls. And then to read that they were just like, no, we will not do this, take this on. Yeah, it was done entirely through the, like, production company that put the movie on. They didn't get to use any of the Disney animators, Mm -hmm. from what I understand. Yeah. What a mess. (laughs) Yeah, because originally, like I said, they they had created the, like, Tron guy as... Uh, like an animated, 100% animated thing just to prove they could do backlit cell animation. And then they used that to create stingers for like radio station advertisements and things like that. So there wasn't, there wasn't like a, okay, we've got this idea. Let's go to the animators and the animators will help us. This was like, we came up with our own thing and then basically built a movie around that, shopped it around and Disney said, okay, here's $17 million, go, go, go. But that's you're you're making this movie like you're not getting our help essentially. We'll put it out and we'll put throw our weight behind it, but you gotta make it. Gotcha. With this like process you've come up with and kind of invented or at least pioneered. But like they even filmed it on different film stock. Like some of it's on sixty five, some of it's on thirty five. So like it's mm. they just threw a bunch of stuff together and right had to do it kind of all on their own. You know what part of this movie really looked sick. The helicopter. The oh, neon like, helicopter. The neon helicopter. That the badass. executive flies around. Oh, in. yeah. I, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, this is like a cheat way to put a helicopter in. Because we already saw a glimpse of that space of that universe before. And I thought maybe they were just going with, let's just use a real helicopter and just put neon lights on it. And then I realized, oh, we're just in fucking LA. Yeah. That's just the, the helicopter. That's just the helicopter, the yeah. Just sick. I like. It's it. pretty dope. Yeah. I was like, ooh. I know it's a shame that the helicopter at the end is during daytime, so we don't get to see the cool. Yeah, I really wanted to see it again. Light up light cycle helicopter. Yeah, it's too Darth Vader though. It's too mm. powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too powerful. Jeff Bridges would never. 
Huffin that willing to. Well, and it could have been illuminated by the master control program, and then when they lost access to that, the the program that turned the colored lights on those yeah. doesn't work anymore. No. What do you guys think of the games? Did you have a particular favorite game of the two that they played? <laughs> Three, I guess. You have Disc Battle, you have the Highlight game, and you have Light Cycles. I like the Highlight one. Because I realized once he hit one of the rings in the target, it disappeared. Yeah, so you have less room to work with. Yeah, I like that. I did like the Light Cycle. Light but I like car classic. stuff in movies. I like vehicle race stuff in movies. Regardless of quality. It doesn't matter to me. It's so funny, too, because, like, in the game, the light cycles are, like, straight line, 90-degree turn, straight line, 90-degree turn. And then when they get out into the into the rest of the grid, they're, like, snaking through canyons and, they're like, mm-hmm. doing power slides and shit. And you're just like, where was that in the game? Like, you guys are really underselling your game that you didn't program in power slides and all these <laughs> other things these light cycles can do. Like, you guys really messed up. You're leaving quarters on the table here, guys. Yeah. Did you guys ever play Snake? Yeah, of course. Okay. It's the only thing on our Nokia phones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when we have more time, it's not as late. I'll let you guys play Tron. We do have it on the Game Boy in the other room. Oh, yeah. What is it? Is it like the light cycle? So the arcade game, it looks a lot like the game that you see at the very, very beginning, where it's got that like blue kind of translucent joystick. Um, okay. And then the the panels on the side of that like alien phantom alien or whatever like the game that he invents that he plays where all the 14 year olds are like oh my god sleep with me flynn you're so good at games yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that one um the panels on that kind of look like the panels of the arcade game and the arcade game is called tron which in universe i think is explained in the sequel where he has this adventure inside of the grid and then creates a game Based on that, and it goes on to become this worldwide phenomenon arcade game. But you've got light cycle racing. So you start out, and basically, like, you start out and you do each of the four things. And then once you beat them all, like, you keep playing and they just get harder and harder. So you've got light cycles where it's just like it's one on one to start, and then it's like three on one, which becomes super chaotic because all the lines stay there. So you have to try to trap three cars and not get trapped yourself. There is. There's some game where you basically have to, like, walk around those, like, crawly spider things that showed up for 10 seconds Mm -hmm. and shoot something and, like, get into the beam of the master control. There's a tank driving one that's super fun where you're just, like, driving through a maze with the tank and trying to shoot other tanks. That one's a lot of fun. And there's a fourth one, and I can't remember what it is. Because, again, you only have, like, a top-down nature to work with. It's not, like, a big 3D graphics. Because it, it came out in 1980-whatever. Um, so I don't remember what the fourth one is. It's been a while since I've played. but So I'll have to get back to you on that. Okay. I didn't like the flying horseshoe things. The flying... Oh, the recognizers? Like, yeah. the ship that he pilots that he, like, fixes and... Yeah, I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're, like, coming out of a coma every once in a while and being like, Ugh. Yeah, I just seem like... I, for, for, I didn't like it. <laughs> it just seems like choice after choice, and I'm like, God, they're really making me not want to like this movie with the aesthetical choices. And for you guys, you guys seem to be digging it, and I just... More power to you, but yeah. I mean... It's not all, like, those were not my favorite of the vehicles. I don't know, I just thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. The tanks were the tanks, I guess. 
Maybe I'm being harsh on the yeah. movie. I, I, I don't know. It just... Okay, so the other game is the uh, Master Control Program Cone, where users must break through a rotating shield uh, to protect the MCP cone and enter the cone without touching any of the shield blocks. So it's basically like Frogger almost, mm. where there's like gaps that you can go through and you have to get to the center to destroy the Master Control Program. Did you like any of the designs? Like, did you care about the... Do you think the light cycles look cool? That monorail butterfly thing they were on. Oh, like mm-hmm. the solar... I think it's the solar something. That thing? was kind of whimsical. I enjoyed that Solar thing. That's what it's called. Gotcha. That was cool. I It was cool, and then it went into that tunnel that was, like, all tie-dye, and I started getting nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the tunnel in Willy Wonka, and I'm like, oh, good lord. Yeah. That only lasted a few fleeting seconds, so they yeah. were finally out of that. But and then I enjoyed the the design again. <laughs> I had to think about it. you have to list through some of the other. Vehicles so we have like or... the big main ship that Sark is on. So like yeah. that big like the star, star destroyer. destroyer essentially. It's cool, I guess. I could take it or leave it. You got the tanks. There's you know pretty generic like polygonal tanks. You know, I, I, you know it's not so much the design of the things; it, it's the way they moved. Yeah. I think that bugged Janky. me. The... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I think Janky's maybe not the right because Janky would insinuate some sort of like unwieldy nature where everything is on rails here or taking like ninety degree turns. Yeah, I don't know. Or they're not flying fast enough. Like the horseshoe, just you know, it's like pretty worried. This thing's coming after me like two miles an hour. Like, yeah, it's methodical. Methodical. But even so, like the horseshoe, I don't think I don't remember hearing any sort of a noise it made coming towards anyone. It just there's a hum. was. Yeah, there's a hum, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like Star wasn't... Wars where each like X wing star... sounded different against yeah. something else. The Tie Fighter, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's none of that. That's like the Tie Fighter is a terrible impression, but you know what I'm talking no, about. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. though, we all heard yeah. it simultaneously. <laughs> none of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a hum of like. A machine at work like it sounds more like a like a bobcat or a you know not the animal but like the yeah no i know the construction equipment yeah or like it's just it's it just, sounds like a humidifier or something i don't know yeah <laughs> whirs and hums as opposed to like mm, there's a couple of bubbles here and there yeah. <laughs> it's been, everything has a drone sound to it when yeah they could have had a little more fun with it i think yeah it's funny, the thing with the more cool-sounding ships is the thing that takes place in space where there is no sound. <laughs> well, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, back wait a to minute. That. Did you know that NASA recorded the sound of space? No. Like... Did it sound like, up, like TIE close, fighters like, or homes? Ma- it sounds very scary. We'll okay. talk about it okay. offline. No, um, I had not heard that. Yeah. Damn you, James Webb. You're getting everything done. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Some more... I think maybe some more time. Some more intentionality. In the soundscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I think they're... appreciated. Yeah. I think they were like placeholder sounds maybe put into this. They sound like placeholders mm-hmm. for me. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll come back to that. And then mm-hmm. like you say, oh, but Don Bluth's got this thing coming out. Yeah, whatever. Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. We're moving our movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Dude, fuck. It's a visual medium. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, long stretch of this look like... A screensaver from, like, Windows in, like, mid-90s. The one where the tubes build up? Yes. Yeah. That exactly. Which, which I also got nauseous looking at more than, like... The one going down the hallway. Yeah. If you combine the two, make the hallway out of the tubes, you've got Tron. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
See, for, for I me, I just wanted to move the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> just get, let's get right to the desktop. Can you bring my game back up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the fish tank one. The fish it's tank a little, one. Like, hmm. It would be like a little fish tank, and then like all of a sudden, ooh. Oh, okay, got here it. Yeah, yeah, here he comes. Here he comes. There he is. Oh, there's another one. And the one Trouble. the office made famous of the bouncing around the corners, hoping it gets to, to the exact Oh, to the room. exact corner. Yeah. yeah. Those were the five. Those are the five screensavers. That was, yeah, those yeah, were yeah. your options. <laughs> that was it. That's what your Dell slash compact slash gateway computer <laughs> allowed you access to was those those handful of screensavers. All very Tron similar. <laughs> now, Johnny, I want to ask you, because you kind of had a a physical reaction to it. What did you think of the ending? How it just kind of ends. <laughs> I'm glad it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, I am a fan of stark endings, things that just abruptly end. Mm-hmm. Again. I don't know what else the movie needed to say. I felt like maybe it had something to do. Maybe we go back to the arcade because we opened up with the arcade. Mm-hmm. Let's bookend it. Maybe with that group in his sick-ass little apartment, whatever that's in the arcade. Which I love when movies do that. It's like, of course, no one really has that in these cool spots. You know what I mean? It's always like mm-hmm. this, this cool loft apartment above a record store or yeah. like Empire Records. Like, just like... Yeah. Just give me that all day, even though I know it doesn't exist, and it's just some set designer's wet dream, and like the Hollywood's actually like, fuck yeah, this looks sick. Yeah. So I maybe wanted to revisit that one more time. Yep. But yeah. Check it out the weird... rest of the African mask collection. Yeah. <laughs> it just weirdly enough ends on a daylight scene, mm-hmm. on the top of a building. When literally the whole movie's taking place at night or in a computer. So it is bizarre. Yeah. It's like an alternative ending. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I thought maybe it would have been cool or cute to, like, go back to, like, the our stand-up arcade system and see things kind of, like, move around or something that would insinuate that there's some life in there or something, you know yeah. what I mean? Like but, a twinkle. Yeah, some sort know. of twinkle. Yeah, I don't think Hollywood got that smart until later on, but... Yeah. But, yeah, we don't see any of Dillinger's comeuppance. Like, he just sees that he's fucked on the screen where it gives the readout that he changed everything. But you don't like you don't see him getting arrested. You don't see him getting in trouble. Flynn doesn't get a "aha, I gotcha" kind of like moment. And you don't go back to the arcade. You don't see them playing on an actual Tron cabinet to be like, "Look, we invented this game now." It's just, "Look, Flynn's the boss." Journey, like yes, <laughs> yes, and that's what you get. I would imagine Dillinger is somewhat relieved after the conversation he has. I did write this one down. Because it has a different connotation than it probably did in 1982. But when the... What's the program called? Like, Total Computer. The Master Control Program? Master, Master Control, Control Program. The MCP. Yeah, he says, I'm thinking of hitting the Pentagon. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I know the Next agenda week. was yeah. startling. Yeah. <laughs> Same reason I'm hitting the Kremlin. Yeah. What? Um, That's some war game shit. It, right. <laughs> coming back around there you go. I'm, johnny i'm beginning to think you maybe don't like this genre video games yeah <laughs> 80s, 80s, 80s video game adjacent sci-fi movies oh yeah maybe well, computer science yeah. Uh, yeah i think it's more like the the computer science things that are maybe i have an aversion to yeah but because neither movie i think was enough for kids to where there was like a fun goofy slant to it it was just like y'all like computers right and you're you're super serious about computers well guess what We've got computers in the movies now. 
But, like, I don't even know, like, who, who this movie would be for. I mean, I suppose it would be for, like, teenagers or something. Like, people who enjoy arcades or what. Like, I don't... Yeah. It's definitely not, like, a kid's movie. Like, no. I think to Bridges' point, there's some elements here. It's, like, it's kind of, like, weird and otherworldly and terrifying. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Or it would just make the kids throw up on himself. <laughs> no, it's probably... It's for t- teen computer nerds. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerds that's... And, like, right. Kids who would want to go leave this movie... And go slam quarters into the Tron arcade machine. Right. Or this is like a stoner movie, too. Yeah. I could be like, oh, dude, I heard there's like some dark negative space in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I watched Tron with like black light on him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's probably for that. Yeah, I mean, this is literally like a basement black light party come to life. Mm-hmm. If you had one of those in that time period, this is the movie you went to go live that. Yeah. So we watched it the wrong way, essentially. <laughs> Right. We should have had more neon and more black light. Yeah, around. and yeah. bombs laying around. Right. Okay. Now, we'll do that for the sequel. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, having talked about this movie, and I've mentioned the sequel and how I think it's very good, do you guys have any interest in seeing the sequel? I have some interest. Okay. I suppose I have some, uh, mainly because probably they address, like you said, the other elements of the movie that I think are lacking, which are like a captivating score. Or, like, even, even, I think even there's an editing issue with this movie, too, I think, yeah. that there's stuff that can be cut out and chopped up and momentum built, because you don't have, like, things like a score to push us along and more uh, interesting cinematography. I think there's a lot of, like, just static shots of people holding each other on, like, cold grates in a fucking empty blue room. Like, I don't, there's nothing terribly interesting or creative with the camera movements outside of what seemed like the animators having fun with spaceships and things like that. All the stuff with humans seem to be just static shots. There's nothing sweeping going on. So yeah, I think in a more capable filmmaker's hand, and again, I don't know if you wanted to touch on who directed this, but I don't know if it's anyone of note or if they ended up doing anything else. It's not. Okay. Yeah. His name's uh, Steven Lisberger. He was the like head of the, I think it's like Lisberger Studios was the like animation department like <laughs> group that came up with this. Like he wrote it, he directed it, you know, he helped craft stuff for the sequel and has, you know, it's mm. obviously characters based on and whatnot. But yeah, it's pretty much all he's done. He's only got four other director credits and they're all like either shorts or things that at least I've never heard of. Got a short, a thing called Anim Olympics, which I guess is a this I saw this in the documentary I was watching. They did two different short animated animal Olympic films that were supposed to debut as part of the Olympics in 1980, which the U.S. did not participate in because of Russia conflicts. So these never got released. So like they worked super hard on these, and they just never got released. And then Tron. And then a movie called Hot Pursuit and a movie called Slipstream. Oh, Mark Hamill's actually in Slipstream. Mm. Bill Paxton. So there's some... He worked with some famous people uh, besides Jeff Bridges and whatnot. And then Hot Pursuit has John Cusack and Jerry Stiller and Ben Stiller. So that's it. So nothing really of... No, the the director of the sequel uh, is the same director as uh, Top Gun Maverick. The new, right. new Top Gun, uh, Joseph Kaczynski. Right, so... Okay. Definitely feel a little better about seeing... Again, I think in the, in the in a capable hands with this property, with updated technology, CGI, 
composer, whatever, you might have like a killer fun movie uh, that's visually just incredible. But I think here it's just super rough and it just is kind of slow moving and there's nothing terribly captivating. Like I never felt, maybe because I was just nauseous most of it, but like never felt any peril or any sort of weight of what was happening other than like man stuck in computer, man needs to get out of computer. Which, of course, that's going to happen. It's not going to be some yeah. Twilight Zone episode where he's just stuck there, which would have been sick. Yeah, it would. I think that maybe would have saved it a little bit for me, but it would have been like, okay, that's they had the balls to do that. That's pretty cool. But I was expecting like just a happy ending, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just more humor, more of the weirdness would have been great. Yeah. So, But like you said, the weirdness is not there in the newer ones, so I might be missing that. But it might be like Dune, you know what I mean? The David Lynch one is has all the weird you want, where the, the newer one is serious as fuck. Yeah. And kind of missing some of that weirdness, but also almost in every way technically better than that other movie. It's true. I can say that. Yeah. With confidence. With Brian, yeah, 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 well, Brian's not in the room. <laughs> I think Brian liked the shields in the other one better. <laughs> that, no, that Fox is very bubbles. drawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh cool well, any other uh final thoughts then i know johnny just kind of put a nice big bow on it bridget any, anything else that you want to speak no, about just happy birthday adam thank you yeah, thank you happy for sharing birthday, this adam. movie with thanks, us thanks for watching i'm sorry that you didn't like it johnny <laughs> i think i really do think you'll like the sequel though like I, I think if you give it an honest chance i feel like a lot of the criticisms that this movie has are totally again totally warranted and I think being a product of its time, you take that and put it into now times. Not every part of it works yeah. necessarily. Like the main actor's not great. He hasn't really done a lot of stuff, but he's not yeah. great. Uh, he's okay. He's serviceable in the role. Jeff Bridges is good in what he's tasked with doing in the sequel. The soundtrack is killer. Like it's one of the most universally praised film soundtracks I've ever heard. In terms of everybody being like, I didn't give two shits about that movie. But that soundtrack I put on repeat monthly. So I think even if we don't do it for the show, we should at least sit down and watch the sequel because it's it's really good. Yeah, no, listen, just real quick. I would say that I'm glad that I've watched it, that I've now formulated an opinion on it and that I've seen it. Where, sorry, Bridget, but something like Annette, like (laughs) I wish that... Never happened, and that ever. is the low, the lowest point. Yeah, so I'm glad to have seen it because again, it is something that has been in popular culture, has been talked about. It's just something that always, just I always missed. So I'm glad to have seen it. I didn't add, like absolutely hate the movie. It no, just, I think, what I enjoy a lot about movies is the visuals of it, and if that is like almost immediately a no for me, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a hard time with it. And specifically, if the narrative of the story isn't propelling me to enjoy it either, then it's kind of a lose-lose situation for me. Yeah, and that's totally fair. And again, for all the things that it did in terms of pioneering a technology Mm, and making a film that, at least for Bridget and I and others out there, like is visually pleasing. But again, if you don't like that, which is fair and totally valid, there's nothing there for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a bummer that that's the case. I was hoping that the visuals would be enough to pull you through. It wasn't. We'll get there with the sequel, I think. Okay. But yeah, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It 
every Thursday morning on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Remember, you can also rate and review this show in Apple Music and on Spotify. Uh, So if you enjoy the show, give us five stars. Uh, If you like the show, make sure to tell a friend, especially if they've seen any of the movies that we've watched, fan or not. It's always good to hear varying perspectives because we could hate a movie you like or a friend likes and they could hate a movie that we love. So it's always good to kind of hear the other side and stuff like this. So if you like the the show, make sure to tell a friend. Uh, But you can let us know on Facebook and Twitter what you think of the movie Tron. Uh, What do you think of the Tron sequel? Have you played the Tron arcade game or Tron 2.0 killer app on the Game Boy Advance? Did you watch any of the other Tron material like the Tron Uprising TV show? That was on around the same time as the sequel. Do you read any of the comic books? Do you have any of the collectibles? What do you like about the world of Tron? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. And I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening.